So you remember a couple weeks ago how we were talking about competitors snipping at our heels? Yes. So uh, recently we, we had a new competitor enter the space. Ooh, interesting. Amazon. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Not Amazon. That's terrible. I mean, it's inevitable. Um, and we already compete with the likes of Google and Microsoft and, you know, all of these huge companies. So it's not it's definitely not unexpected. Like, it's definitely been one of those. It's only a matter of time things. But yeah, I, I uh, that 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 happened. Uh, they launched their own location services. Um, interestingly, they're just reselling to other providers. They're reselling Esri and Here. Um, and it's very focused on fleet management and asset tracking, um, which kind of makes sense based on what they're doing. Like they're tracking packages and trucks and like that's crucial to their operations. Um, so it's almost kind of funny because, you know, looking at that and, and whenever people are asking about, you know, how do I bootstrap my own business? Like, where do I start? How do I get an idea? one of the most common pieces of advice and advice that I give is just start with something that you need yourself and go from there, um, which is what you have done. Um, and it's also what Amazon has done here too. Um, so, so it's, it's it, 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 like, I look at it and I'm like, Oh, this is clearly something they built for themselves. And now they're um, ha- going to have people paying for it. Um, definitely does, does, uh, you know, it, not a totally welcome surprise for us, right? Because um, fleet management and asset tracking is an important vertical for us because it's expressly forbidden by some of the other major geocoders. So we um, do have an important amount of customers um, in those spaces. And overall, Amazon's pricing is much higher than us. But for asset tracking, it's um, it's very favorable for that use case because instead of paying per basically per ping from a GPS, imagine like a truck might say send back a GPS ping every hundred feet, for example, instead of paying every time for the new coordinates of that, do you only pay per asset? Um, so, um, you know, so I imagine we will lose some customers from this. Um, but at the same time, one of the, I think one of the great things about being in um b2b SaaS, but especially the kind of space we're in is that we're so diversified across industries that we have tons of other verticals um in addition to fleet management and asset tracking and it makes me really glad that i do that semi-annual customer portfolio analysis because i know exactly how much of our revenue is from that sector and looking at this now and knowing, okay, there's this huge, well-funded uh, competitor coming into this space, um, I can see pretty clearly like how much revenue that directly puts at risk. Um, but yeah, certainly an interesting week. <laughs> yeah. So when you do your semi-annual customer portfolio, do you break up your customers by industry? Is that the purpose of that? Yeah. So basically, I look at our customers as a portfolio, as uh, an investor might look at, say, a mutual fund portfolio, for example. 
Um, and I split it on a couple of different metrics. So I basically take the top 90% of revenue and I look at the customers from it within that um, space. And um, I look at them by uh, industry. So, so there's like fleet management, but also say real estate or insurance uh, healthcare, things like that. Um, by industry, um, I try to get a rough sense for company size, um, so that I can just kind of, you know, uh, um, have a little bit more understanding there. Um, and then just really trying to understand, okay, based on these different industries, like how much of our revenue is dependent on any one given industry, and should we think about diversifying? Whether we want, a, you know, a higher percentage of revenue in a particular category, we want new customers there, or do we want to purposefully uh, pull back from a certain industry or simply just not emphasize it as, as much if we feel like there's too high of a concentration there? And also making sure that we don't have any um, high customer concentration in any one given uh, customer. Um, so something, an important metric for me is, um, uh, you know, what, our, our largest customer, what percentage of overall revenue are there, they? And basically making sure that that number is below 1%. Um, cool. And again, this also comes out of um, sort of investor style thinking where, you know, for example, if they're analyzing a company and they see that a company has, say, 40% of its revenue coming from one particular customer, that's a huge red flag. Um, right. Versus if it's highly diversified, then, then le- that's less of a risk. Um, and yeah, that, that's, that's something I do about twice a year. And, and that's kind of one of those things I've sort of had to, um, create for ourselves. Um, you know, I'm obviously not creating the concept, but I think applying them in this way is because, um, you know, as we've talked about a lot of the content out there on running a SaaS is very much focused on growth and, 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 um, you know, uh, more well-funded um, approaches to business that that don't necessarily emphasize stability or profitability or things like that. And so rather than managing for growth, we manage for stability. And I find that this customer portfolio analysis is a really helpful tool for me um, and, and Matias too, and sort of like us communicating, okay, what are our priorities and how, how do we create a more stable business and just kind of giving us a high level of that. So you do that as a manual process? Yes. So do you literally like and Google the it's companies? It's because I'm a, <laughs> I'm a glutton for punishment, apparently. I know you are. Um, <laughs> you probably love I every enjoy minute it, of it. Actually, I know you do. <laughs> like, like the week, you know, the, the, the week I spend on this every six months, I actually like genuinely enjoy it. It's like your favorite it. week like of making the year. All my, yes! <laughs> making all my little pivot tables and everything and like, oh my gosh. Um, yeah, it's actually really fun. Um, yeah, I basically just Google them. Um, and then, but a lot of them I've also had conversations with. So that's where I can fill out, uh, the, the rest of the picture too, sort of. So it's this combination of quantitative and qualitative information, um, that we use for prioritizing. Um, and, and this is really like kind of the first big moment I can think of where something happened. And my first thought was numbers from that analysis. And then it like made me feel better um, when, when this happened. So when we talked about competitive analysis last week, the reason, and this wasn't, we weren't talking about Amazon. We were talking about some of your other competitors who had launched new features. And we talked about you guys competing on some very specific 
in some very specific areas. So with this Amazon launch, are you saying that now, at least for the fleet management sector, you do not compete on price? So it's it, it'll be it'll depend on the on the customer. Um, so their price for pay as you go geocoding is much higher. They are four dollars per thousand versus we are fifty cents per thousand. If you want to store the data, they're fifty cents per thousand. If you don't want to store the data, um, so if anything, I, I read it more of a as a shot across the bow at Google than you know us. I mean, we're so small that like that you know Amazon doesn't care about us. Like this is kind of one of the nice things about. Um, being a bootstrap business so of course i mean people from amazon like use us like they're a customer of ours too so it's like one of those really weird scenarios where we also have people from google who you know pay us too um but it's just a different department um so it's kind of it's kind of a funny thing i mean it totally makes sense that they would be going into this and there's a lot of stuff that their service is doing that we don't do and that we don't plan to do so for example it's it's very um built around asset tracking so it also includes drive time and um like all of these like geofencing like all of these other things like so you know knowing when a truck has entered the area of a delivery center for example you might use geofencing for that we don't really do that we don't do driving directions or drive time or or radiuses like things like that um so yes it's a new competitor in this space but you know, I also tend to think with this kind of data, like there's so much need for it that there is plenty of space for lots of companies. Um, and, and I think it really says something about the space that this announcement came out and, you know, you know, the first people I talked to about it, you know, obviously Matthias and then my like core group of other bootstrapped founders um, that I talked to. And then the guy who runs another bootstrapped geocoding company being like, wow, what an interesting day, huh? Like, and we're like kind of analyzing it and like, what does this mean for us? And it's, you know, because we all do something different. And like, there've been many times when I've sent people over to his company, um, because we weren't the right fit for them. Um, I, maybe that's a sort of uncommon approach to competition, but I feel like there's plenty of space for everybody. Like we, we, we purposefully, like we don't want to be a monopoly. I don't think that's, it's just not what I want to be, and I don't think it's good for capitalism anyway. Um, so, so I think there's space for more competition, but it is. I mean, yeah, it's 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 scary when uh, one of the big guys comes into the ring. Absolutely, sure, I could totally see that. Um, but one thing I was talking about um, when we were talking about the competitors was how you know we don't really change much when our competitors do things. Um, and how we tend to just focus more on the customers we do have and, and, you know, towards that overall goal of stability, um, how can we make them happier and, and keep them with us? Um, and so it reminds me of a, of, of a book I'm actually going to start reading, um, called, um, the jobs to be done playbook. Um, and so I think we, we, we've talked a little bit about jobs to be done, right? Have we? Okay. So jobs to be done is a framework for doing customer research and understanding what it is that people really want to do overall. So, and I actually have an example of this uh, from, from my life this week. So earlier this week, um, I was getting our holiday New Year cards um, out the door. 
um, which I guess for for us are less of a, a holiday card and more of a like New Year's where, by the way, we're moving to a different continent card. Um, which side note, actually, I, I realized as I was doing those cards that I think I announced it on the podcast that we had moved like before I had told some of our friends. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> podcast listeners yes you are you are my inner circle so um (laughs) so anyway so we have to you know we have to send out cards to tell people we moved so and then I found a service online that you can that um create your cards and they will send them all out for you which is really necessary because mailing them from Denmark to the U.S. would be ungodly expensive um and so I'm just gonna pay a little bit extra to have a company mail them out for me but I have to have a spreadsheet of addresses that I upload to the service for them to send them out. And they have a specific format for the addresses. And my uh, spreadsheet, where I keep all of my addresses normally, um, has them all in one column. Like, so the, the whole address is in a single cell. And they needed it split out into streets, city, state, and zip. And I first thought, I was like, oh, no, it's going to take me so long to, like, manually do all that in the spreadsheet and then I was like wait a minute I have a tool that parses addresses and literally does this for people like I should use my own product which is so it's like I honestly find it really fun to get to dog like dog food our product which is kind of um you know the the term people use for that I don't know why it's called dog fooding eating your own dog food Um, yeah that's weird by the way but that's what yeah that's that's what we call it bootstrapping and dog fooding and we have all these this whole weird language of our own so um my my seven-year-old is actually sitting here with me while we record this and she just started laughing into a pillow when I said dog fooding (laughs) so um so so I uploaded it and while it was processing in the 30 seconds it took to process I was like you know what we, we should have a landing page about this. I don't even know a landing. So like I just like quickly wrote up a very, very sparse landing page and I was like feeling all good about myself. And I'm like, oh, this is I'm getting the Christmas cards out. And also like I'm being so productive and adding a landing page. And this is awesome. And then I download it and it was actually kind of a nightmare and it wasn't a good use for what I was trying to do. <laughs> because it because we split out the street number and the unit type from the address and I needed those in the same column as them so for example if it was you know 17 main street 17 main and street would all be in separate columns and I or rather it would be 17 would be in a separate column from main street and I needed those concatenated and also the units were all split out from the unit numbers and I only I could only have one column for address two information um and I did it manually, even though Matthias later was like, why didn't you just write a concatenate function? And <laughs> um, so it was kind of a funny thing. But like talking about jobs to be done, like the, the whole idea of jobs to be done is that it's not just the one thing that someone wants to get done. There's a broader job they're trying to accomplish. So in this case, my goal was not process a spreadsheet. My goal was not get the addresses in the right column format. My goal was get out these cards to, A, fulfill my social obligation of sending out holiday cards with my family photo on it, and B, tell people that we have moved and give them our address. And so there was kind of this like physical job of actually getting this physical piece of paper out. There's a social job of informing people that we have moved and, you know, 
sending you know sending a card reciprocally as as they would as well um there's also sort of an emotional job of me having the relief that this is over with um on the long holiday to-do list um and so 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 that's what like jobs to be done really gets at is that it's not just that one thing that people want to do it's there's some broader goal that they have um you know most times when people are using Geocodio, for example, it's they want to make more sales. They want to track where their trucks are going so that their customers are happy with them so that they order from them again. Like it's not just about tracking the truck or, um, you know, putting their customers on a map. Like there's something else they're trying to do. And so how do you dive into that? How do you get that kind of information out of a customer? And then how do you use that information to make decisions, to write landing pages, to have sales conversations, you know, like how do you use that yeah. to really run sure. a product, run a business? Yeah, um, I love this because last week we were talking about how I have started doing all these customer interviews and how I was getting so excited talking to customers when they gave me suggestions and they showed me how they wanted to use my product. And you pointed this out last week. You said something which kind of struck me and you pointed out that I missed an opportunity to understand the bigger picture of what they were trying to do and why they wanted to do it. So I was just thinking about the small potatoes, which was you're trying to get a file on your site. You're trying to get a file in the cloud. And you, and you pointed out these discussions are an opportunity to figure out why, why do they need to do that? What is their, their bigger process? What are they trying to achieve? So when you describe this book, it sounds exactly like what we were talking about last week in terms of customer interviews. Yeah. And you know, something I, I think about that took me um, some time to learn with customer interviews is that they're not a conversation. And ways that you would act in a conversation where if somebody says something and then your urge is to agree with them or to disagree with them or, or whatever that is, in an interview, you can't do that. You, you instead say, can you tell me more about that? Why are you looking to do that? What were you doing before that? What would you do if that wasn't available? Like you ask these sorts of questions that um, you just don't, don't don't really ask in sort of normal conversational style. Um, you know, there's actually I, um, I I so I was I was preparing to give a talk at, at MicroConf last year, so 2019, on this, and I was talking to a, to a friend beforehand at a cookout about what I was planning to talk about, and he goes you know, that reminds me of this improv class I took where whatever somebody says or does in improv, no matter how crazy it is, you just have to build on it. Like you can't react to them. You instead build on what they have done. And so if they put on a cowboy hat and like tell you they're an astronaut, like you have to just go with it. And you you can't like question them about that, right? Um, otherwise the whole thing falls apart, the whole dance. And so it's not a conversation, it's acting. And the way that you would talk to a friend is very different than the way um, I would talk in, in a customer interview setting. Um, also, at the same time, though, like, you know, these are this is a set of tools. And, and um, if you use these tools outside of that context, it can, it can come off as uh, the, the wrong way or not be as effective. Like, for example, I wouldn't do this in a sales setting because people have their guard up and are, are less vulnerable in a sales setting, justifiably. Um, yeah. And so 
you don't want to dig too much into their emotions and their goals and everything else. Like it's, it's very surface um, and has its own dance entirely. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to read this book. Um, if anyone else wants to read along with me, um, it's called The Jobs to Be Done Playbook um, by Jim Kalbach. And like, so a friend uh, recommended this to me who was a UX director um, at a at a big company. The reviews for it alone are from some of the big names in the Jobs Be Done world. Uh, Des Trainer, the co-founder of Intercom, um, Melissa Perry, uh, author of Escaping the Build Trap, Bob Moesta, who is a, like a, just a rock star in the Jobs Be Done world, Tony Ulwick, uh, same, he, he also wrote a Jobs Be Done playbook himself. Um, so I, I'm so psyched to read this book, um, you know, seeing... Um, all of these uh, people that I that I really respect recommending it and of course my friend recommending it as well um so this is something I'm going to start diving into um o- over the holiday break uh we you know we are in a, a second lockdown now so it seems like a good time to start a new book um but yeah it's it's even for somebody like me who's been doing this for years um I, I love diving in and, and learning more there's always more to be refined Nice. So with the holidays coming up, I wanted to ask you, what do you guys do to take a vacation or do you not? Like, what is your, I know we've (laughs) talked a lot about like your customer support cycle, but I was thinking about this this morning because what I did just for context, like I am down to one client, which they're wonderful, but I told them I'm going to take two full weeks off, but now I have this product. So I'm obviously not taking, I'm going to check it every day except maybe Christmas, right? And I was like, oh, is that normal? Is that what Michelle's doing? So what are you going to (laughs) do? Yeah, our approach to vacations is just hope nobody reaches out to us, Um, (laughs) which is not healthy. Hope is not Um, a strategy. (laughs) Yeah. Kidding. You know, we, we were having actually a conversation with some friends last week about this, and um, one of them pointed out that, you know, the things you do for growth are different than the things you can do when a, when you're at a stage when your goal is stability. Um, yeah. And that really got me thinking that, you know, there's things that we did to drive growth, especially when we were trying to transition to full time or, um, you, you know, maintain confidence in our transition to full time. Um and that we that we did to drive growth that maybe we don't need to do now that we feel like we're at a point where, um, you know, things are more stable and, and we don't have to be so aggressive on that front. Um, and yeah, I'm totally not answering your question, which is that we don't know again. You, OK, yeah, that's what I, I'm really I good at avoiding that question. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just that we just hope nothing comes up but I think I mean it's going to be more challenging this break with with us in second lockdown and yeah um it's 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 going to be tricky um yeah but yeah that's kind of what we do in general um and and I, I don't think I would recommend that to other people um so don't do what I do um, well, and I've, I'm, of course, in this position yeah. where I'm trying to get customers and retain customers. So I'm in a totally different position. But I definitely feel like I need to, you know, be on top of things even during a, you know, vacation because I'm in such a, I'm in such a critical stage. So what you're telling me is even where you guys are, where you're very stable, you still you still do check in every day, even when you're on vacation, um, to make sure everything is running smoothly. 
I would say it's less that we check in every day and it's more that, you know, if an email comes in, like we still reply to it. I meant you quickly. check your email every day. Like I, yeah, like, like intercom yeah. still pops up. Like, I think this is the kind of the difference yeah. between having clients and having customers is that you can tell your client, like, I'm not going to be checking my email or I'm only going to check it, you know, every three days or whatever. And then like they can like grumble and be like, whatever, fine. Or also be like, our office is closed too. So it doesn't, not a big deal. You know, we, we have, you know, tens of thousands of people who could email us at any time and hopefully they're taking a break too. Um, yeah. You know, usually holidays are pretty quiet for us. Um, but especially, especially with Christmas and New Year's because those are more common um, around the world than, say, Thanksgiving is, which was pretty quiet for us. But we still had stuff coming in from um, other parts of the world. Um, but, yeah, we we don't have a good approach to taking breaks. And I think we are at the point where maybe that's something we can give ourselves. I mean, but it's it's just one of the trade-offs of running your own company is, you know, working half an hour or an hour a day. Uh, during the holidays but getting to take that time period um I don't I don't really know I don't, I don't really know where, where the line is there quite frankly well fingers crossed you guys don't have a lot of support requests and you have a wonderful new year well that'll wrap up this week's episode of the software social podcast I hope everyone has a wonderful holiday and we look forward to connecting with you again soon and just as a reminder Michelle is going to be starting the jobs to do, jobs to be done playbook if you want to read along in that book uh, we'd love to hear from you at software pod on Twitter huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show Chris from Chipper CI the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality, Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outsetta, Justin Jackson, Megamaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from ConsentKit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Works Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabelles, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender. Brendan from Feederloop. Pascal from Sharpen.Page. Lynn Romick from Convini. Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm. Jessica Malnick. Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker. Eldon from Nodal Studios. Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.